Welcome everyone to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hello, everyone. This is Ray McKinley. Welcome to Ride the Elephant Today podcast. We're excited about you being here. I have my guest today again is Brian McKinley, my son. We have been talking about expectations related to the motivations we have as individuals coming from those expectations to a transitioning to a different place of being motivated by our own intrinsic core convictions. So, Brian, the question I have for you as you've been contemplating some of these things that we've been talking is, how do you transition from being motivated by the expectation of others to being inspired by personally held core convictions? Well, that's a big question. I think it requires a lot of soul searching, maybe even some coaching. You, I think, have a lot of experience with that. I would throw that question back at you because I feel like this topic is kind of a linchpin topic. It's kind of a focal point. When you were young, and this is going all the way back to the very beginning here, you talked about this in the first podcast that you did. Yeah. How you were outwardly motivated because you wanted to win the approval back that you had lost because of an accident you felt that you were responsible for. You had to win back the love of members of your family. You felt that whether it was true or not, you felt it. So can you maybe think of one of the very first times that you did something with no other person in mind? You did it because you were inspired to do it. Okay, that's a good question. Because that's the beginning of your, yeah. of your journey, right? It is, and I think I can get to that answer. However, I'd have to go to a place that would cause that to emerge. So let me do that. And by example, show you how this transition can take place as it did for me. I realized I went from approval and a need for approval. I know I got it when I was praised by them and acknowledged by them. And I knew what would work. So I was trying to be or do things that would cause people to feel good about me and give me that praise. So I was creating this picture of myself or trying to be somebody that I really wasn't, but I just knew I had to, to try to win back the love that I felt I lost at a young age. So I was trying my best to garner praise and win that back. And I remember a time that I always did things better than anybody else because I felt that if I did it better than everyone else, my mom and dad would love me again. And I had my older sister said to me one time when I was probably 13 or 14 years old, she said, Ray, you know, it's interesting. I never really do all the projects. When I, my mom and dad give me projects, I really never do them very well because I know 
they'll get frustrated with me and they'll ask you to do it because you always did the projects extremely well. You are highly motivated to do projects well. So if mom and dad wanted a project done really well, they gave it to you and it took me off the hook. And I realized in her saying that, she recognized my need for approval from my parents to do the job really well. And of course, when she said that, I remember that all these years, but I never put two and two together at the time. However, it stuck in my mind as something that was present and very active in my thinking. What I realized in experiencing that, I was really striving for approval. And I was conforming to what my parents and teachers and everyone in my world expected me to do. And it wasn't until I recognized that it was due to a core belief I had about myself inside that caused me to be motivated by the expectations of others. So I think I can answer this question and maybe it might have more meaning to you and maybe lay out some of those beliefs I had back then that I don't have anymore, but I used to have them. And one of those beliefs was that I wasn't good enough just the way I was. I felt my parents were mad at me about the accident that occurred early in my life that caused the death of my brother. I felt that I had to earn their love, that I just couldn't have it. I believe that every time I was punished as a 12 or 13 or 14 year old, which I did a lot of things to be punished for, granted, I wasn't the model perfect child, that I felt it was always extra harsh. And I always blamed the harshness on the fact that it was a hidden anger that my dad had toward me about the death of my brother. And I, I realized how untrue that was later in life, but I felt that way then. So I had this belief that in order to be loved, in order to be appreciated and approved of and be accepted, that I had to do things very, very well. So I became very much extrinsically motivated. I wasn't inspired by my personally held core convictions, but I was inspired or motivated by my need for this to be lifted and filled with their love. And I felt the same way about my siblings too. I felt that I had to do things with them that caused them to feel that way. As I got older and started recognizing how untrue that was, I think the antithesis of conformity is authenticity. And that's the fifth dichotomy we've been talking about. We've covered the previous four, and now this is the fifth one. The first four is approval to praise, to self-image, to extrinsic motivation, to conformity. This is the fifth one. And that's the be where I was. And then I realized I had to transition, or I went through a transition that caused me to become more authentic and real. And the opposite side of that dichotomy, those four sides of the, the what I call the red side of the dichotomy, now to the blue side of the dichotomy, which was total unconditional acceptance and love for just the way I was. I had to believe that. 
And then the second part of that is to be affirmed and affirmed for my person and affirmed for my character and affirmed for my effort. I started to recognize that I was being appreciated for my effort and I was being affirmed for my effort because I wasn't the sharpest student academically. So I wasn't being approved of for my academic excellence, but back in those days, we got a grade for effort and I always would get an A in effort and C's in academic performance. But it was the effort that really caused me to recognize that this allowed me to be who I could be and didn't necessarily have to measure up academically to other people. As long as I put a good effort forward, I was affirmed for that effort and appreciated for that. And that meant a lot to me. I could experience my failure and allowed me to experience feelings of being appreciated and acknowledged for that. That led to a a level of respect that I had for myself. At first, I think I had to have a level of self-esteem, which is, by definition, the level of respect you have for yourself. I really didn't have a lot of respect for myself because of what happened. But then I began to have that through my teen years. That began to change, and I started to have all these esteem-building experiences. I was put through by my dad and mom and giving me challenges that allowed me to excel at those challenges. I failed at some, but I learned, and I succeeded at others, and I learned. But that caused me to have a respect for myself, which then led to more intrinsic motivation. I was more inspired by my own personally held core convictions. And then I became what I would call more authentic. So that's the blue side of this processing of going from one place here way on the left side of these dichotomies to now being here on this place in the dichotomy of being more authentic. And what does a person believe who transitions to having an intrinsic motivated mindset that allows them to be authentic? And I think the key for me was that it was more about my being than my doing. I started to recognize that I was being acknowledged more for who I was being than what I was doing. And that meant a lot to me because now I wasn't meeting the expectations of others by my doing. I was meeting my own expectations by who I was being. And I was acknowledged for that. I was acknowledged for my effort. I was acknowledged for my character. And so that really changed for me. I began shooting for the targets that I had set for my life versus trying to hit the targets that everyone else was setting for me. And when I made that decision to do that, it changed. And I became more intrinsically motivated by these targets that I had set for myself and shooting for those and not really giving a lot of consideration to how that was affecting how other people thought of me as far as meeting their expectations. So for me, that was a transition that occurred. And it was really a change in beliefs I had about myself that really caused it to be different. I don't know if that answers the question or gets you closer to the answer. If it doesn't get closer to the answer, ask me another question, if you would, Brian. Well, I like that. Just going back to kind of touch on how all of this developed, you know, I have a little bit of a hard time identifying for myself the ways that I'm 
inspired. It's something that I think a lot of people would probably have some trouble articulating, and yet there's a lot of young people, younger than me even, who are very clear about what inspires them and what visions they have for themselves. So it's interesting how, you know, you've gone all the way back to the roots of realizing that just setting a goal for yourself and the impact that that had. Then my next question is, I guess, when did you start to get word to understand the concept of affirmation and value judgment and self-esteem and all of that? Well, that's a great question because those terms, I didn't have those figured out when I was a teenager, when I was going through this transition. However, they came to me later in life as a recognition of the transition that I did go through. And I was able to apply these titles or these words that you're talking about in these dichotomies and say, oh, this applied to me. My life existed to get the approval of others. It was not because of total unconditional acceptance. That was a clear difference for me. I could look back and say, yeah, that happened to me. I was all about being praised and approved of. And yeah, that happened to me. And no, it wasn't about being affirmed for my being. It was more about my doing. It was all about doing. That's how I got my love was with my doing, not just because I was being a person. I didn't feel that love for just my being. So I can look back at it now and say, wow, that's definitely happened to me. And then when we talked about image and self-image and self-esteem, when those terms were brought to my attention, I realized that I was trying to create an image of myself back then and through my 20s and 30s, and it was not fulfilling. So then I realized I didn't really have the respect for myself. I was just trying to conform to everybody else. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. And I think that was a big thing. I, I felt I had to be something different. And that's where my self-image came. And it wasn't really who I was, authentically me. And then I realized that I was, how much I was being directed and controlled and motivated by the expectations everyone had of me. And some of the expectations I made of myself, which were like, I need to do this because I'll be loved better. I need to do this because they'll appreciate me. I'm going to do this because I'll be invited in to the, the cool group. Whatever it was, I was deciding to do things that all hinged on what other people thought about it. And I realized that now. I didn't realize that when I was going through that at the time, and when I was in my teen years and my early 20s and early 30s. In fact, if I would have realized it earlier, I probably would have had a lot less casualties in my personal relationships with other people. And I had plenty of those, and, and it was really those casualties I was having in those personal relations that caused me to stop and think, hmm, something's wrong here. I need to figure this out. And it was that quest to figure it out that I started putting the pieces of the puzzle back together. So then when I realized that I... I started to look at things that were meaningful to me. And one of those big things was what other people thought of me was none of my business. I love myself totally and unconditionally just the way I am. And it doesn't really matter what other people think. And I think that was really, really important for me to separate that out. I also said, you know, back when I was 10, I did the best I can with the prevailing awareness I had at the time. 
When I was 18, I did the best I can with the prevailing awareness I had at the time. When my marriage fell apart the first time, when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, I was doing the best I can with the awareness that I had at the time. Now, I wish I had a more enlightened awareness now, but I didn't have it then. And I'm not beating myself up for it now. I'm just recognizing the effect and the difference and the transition that took place in me. And it's those experiences that I've had, Brian, that have caused me to write the book, caused me to teach this material, causes me to have this conversation. Because if I can help somebody else figure this out before they're 45, like I was, I've given back a gift to people that will make a difference in their life, make a difference in their relationships with their adult children, have a difference in their relationship with each other and at work and just everything. It just, there's been a total transformation for me to just move from this red side of this dichotomy to the blue side of it. To bring it into context, I think it's a good time to lay that right out totally so the listener can hear it. When I'm on the red side of this dichotomy, I had an approval addiction. I looked for praise. I projected myself as an image I wanted people to think I was, but it wasn't being real. I was clearly extrinsically motivated by what everyone else expected of me. I did what other people expected of me. I realized that I was a conformist, conforming to the will of others. And I realized that my achievement that I was being acknowledged for was achievement as society would define it, as to be in and to be accepted and to be liked, I just felt I had to have all these achievements and all these awards and degrees and, and all these things that made me who I was. And I realized that that really wasn't who I was. And then I think the indicator was how I felt about it. And this is, I think, the key piece, the seventh dichotomy of this, this process is this last one, and it's a feeling of pride. So when I'm at the end of this feeling, wow, I've really achieved all this, and look at my walls, and look at what people are saying about me, and I had a sense of pride. I, look at me, how great I am. And I realized that that was how empty that was. And it was all that was all about my doing. It didn't have anything to do with my being. And I was proud of my doing. But I realized at 45 what an empty vessel that was. So when I started to look at the blue side of this dichotomy as we walk through this again, it began with having total unconditional acceptance of myself and letting people totally unconditionally accept me for who I was being. Many times I realized how many people were trying to do that to me, but I rejected it and didn't accept it because I didn't believe it myself. So if a person is trying to love me just for who I am and accept me just the way I am, totally and unconditionally, which I know my parents are trying to do. My mom and I had a discussion about this before she died. She said, I tried to reach you. I tried to get you love, but Ray, you just wouldn't receive it. You, it's like it didn't go in. There was no place for it to settle in you. And I didn't see it go into your heart, which is so true. And how sad that was that we had all those years that she was trying to show me love and I wasn't willing to accept it because I wasn't worthy of it. When I became a change in my belief, then I was able to let people affirm me 
for my character, affirm me for my effort, affirm me for my being, not my doing, then I started to see value for who I really was, which then created a high level of respect for myself. When I had higher self-esteem, it was having this respect I had for my own self, which is really important because you can't take in somebody else's love, take in someone else's respect any more than you feel it for yourself. That's the cat. If you don't feel it for yourself, you can't take it in. There's no place to put it. That was a huge awareness for me. Now, I didn't realize that at the time back then, but I realized as it occurred, I'm going, whoa, no wonder I couldn't accept all of this from what everyone else was trying to give me because I didn't feel it inside. And of course, that leads to the fourth dichotomy of intrinsically motivated, being inspired inside because of my core beliefs, values, and principles, which led to me being feeling more authentic and real, which is the fifth dichotomy. I wasn't being fake anymore, which led me to the sixth dichotomy, being a person of character, which was I was being defined by my diligence, by my deference, by my determination, by my hospitality, by my love, by my appreciation, by my virtues, by my truthfulness, by my trustworthiness, by even something like punctuality, because that shows the level of respect I have for another person by just being punctual. So all of these character qualities that started to develop in me and emerge out of this feeling of the previous five dichotomies that led to this feeling of being a person of character I wanted to be, and that was about my being. See, character is about your being, not about your doing. And the feeling that started to come across me, instead of this pridefulness that I had in the red side of the seventh dichotomy, it was a feeling of humility, a feeling of total unconditional acceptance and being humble about it. And humility to me is appreciating all the gifts that I've been given in my life by other people and giving credit to the people in my life that caused me to get to this point in my life. So this feeling of humility was a total different feeling than the feeling I had for being prideful about all my achievements. And that's Because when you were prideful, it was all about you and what you had done to earn this love from others, but, you know, you're humbled by the tenderness that is undeserved. It just comes out of nowhere for your being. Yeah. I think there's something that happened, and you alluded to this earlier, this just came to me. Why do people have a hard time doing this? You know, what did it take for you to get to this place where you could put these seven dichotomies together and come to this awareness? that was transformational in your life. And you know what it was, Brian, more than anything? It was started with curiosity, and it started with the awareness and started asking myself, why did I act this way? Why couldn't I accept the love from my mom? Why was I totally blind to it? Why was my doing was so important, and it wasn't anything about me, my being? So when I started to ask myself some questions about that and really had thoughtful reflection on it, It really caused me to critically think at a high level. You know, it doesn't take a lot of critical thinking to mimic the behavior of others. It doesn't require a lot of critically thinking to conform 
to what other people want their values, to conform to what they want. You just have to look at it and mimic it. It doesn't really take a lot of thinking to conform to the, what others think you should do and how you should be and the principles you should live by. Which when I realized it, I was just listening to all that and it just turned into dogma for me. A dogma by definition to me is taking on a belief of somebody else that you haven't thought through yourself. Okay? So mm -hmm. that, that was me. <laughs> I took on these beliefs and these values and these principles that really didn't come from me inside. It was so it's just dogma. And when I started to critically think it through, I saw it as dogma. And I saw it as, well, you know, what really is important to me? Now, as I went through this rejection of this dogma, I also came to find out as I really critically thought it through, some of the things that I started to believe, some of the beliefs, values, and principles I started really incorporating in my life, in my authentic me, was really mimicking what my parents were trying to teach me or what other people in my life were expected of me. But because I didn't think I was worthy of it back then, I rejected it as dogma. And now, as I process it through and critically think it through, so much of what I own today as a core belief is really very much what my mom and dad core beliefs were. Not all of them, but I realized just rejecting them out of hand wasn't serving me, but I did initially reject them as, do I really believe that? Just because I was taught that, just because I had that expectation of me, I really started to think about it and critically think it through and come to my own conclusions. And I thought that was a key piece for me to have this transition. I don't think someone can walk through these seven dichotomies that I just talked about without critically thinking at a high level. If you blow through it, you might just be staying on the red side and not really filtering your fingers down into what you would believe on the blue side of these dichotomies. Now, the reason I say that, I'm not being accusatory of anybody listening to this, is because that's what I did. I was justified and I believed it was right and I was prideful at the end of it and I could explain it to everybody and I felt I was right and no one could tell me otherwise. So it took a while for me to break that pattern. And really, when you said, when did it begin? When I first totally unconditionally accept myself just the way I am. Mm. There's been moments where that has happened to me in a significant event where I had a person who really, really knew what that was and was able to look into my eyes and asked me to look into her eyes. And I wasn't worthy to look in her eyes. She knew it. She could see it. And until I looked into her eyes with worthiness in my heart, she was not going to let me go. And that was a key, key piece for me. I said for the first time, ah, that's what it is. I can taste that now. I can feel that. It was a warmness in me that I had never had. So it just takes that kind of experience, Brian. And what I want to bring out here, it takes a will and an intention to change it. And I think we each will come into a place in our life where we start asking ourselves, is that all there is? 
and am I really being who I want to be? You know, am I really being authentic and real? And I think one of the things that we ask ourselves, I, I would say to somebody, if you feel prideful about everything you've accomplished, then you might want to back up the train. Because right now you're starting that dichotomy number seven. And let's back up the train and go backwards and see where you went off the rails and give some critical thought to it and figure it out, which is what I did. It was my prideful nature that I was right and everyone else was wrong. I remember going to a therapist one time, and this my sister encouraged me to go to the therapist. And he looked at me after meeting with me for a couple of days, and he says, you know what the challenge with you is you have a crisis of faith and you have a prideful heart. And I said, you don't know what you're talking about. I have more faith in my little finger than you have in your whole body. I was furious. I just got angry at him and I yelled at him and actually I walked out and never saw him again. And I thought, wow, that was pretty intense. But I felt right and I felt self-righteous about it. And I was even more prideful that I stood up to him trying to tell me that I had crisis in faith. I had more faith in my little finger than he had in his whole body. And it took me a while to recognize how foolish that was and how foolish I was being. And I really had to back up the train and start saying, where is this feeling coming from? And it's when I did that, that I put the seven dichotomies together that we've been talking about. So it was out of pain and suffering in my life that caused me to do this, Brian. I know people that get it naturally. They feel totally unconditionally accepted at birth and they feel it as a 10 year old. They feel it as a 20 year old. They feel it in their marriage. They feel it in their relationships within their community and with their siblings. And, and they never really have gone through this place where they were just living out the expectations of everyone else. So I'm not saying that this is the path that everyone goes down. I'm just saying it's time for everyone to recognize what path they're on. And if you really care about your adult children and children, you'll start backing up the train and look at it and see how it applies to them, especially when you see your adult child struggling in their life. And there's a lot of adult children that are and what you can do to help them find a way by being curious, asking questions, not having the answers, just having the will to have a conversation and then uh, watch what happens. Any thoughts? Well, yeah, that's really an incredible breakdown of the journey. We're all kind of having a different experience with this thing. And, you know, you, you talked about how when we talked about acceptance, for example, we kind of talked about accepting others as a big part of it. But it's also very important to accept yourself, which you're talking about, and to accept love that people are trying to give you, to accept yourself as worthy in spite of your flaws and to then accept that you are worthy of receiving love. So you accept that love. So that's a really loaded concept that's kind of the cornerstone of this whole thing. And I think people are hungry for that in a lot of their relationships. Even if they are accepted in some circles, it's kind of something that we all are rooting for. And 
you talk about dichotomies, which are uh, two opposite, they're antithetical paired together, right? Yes. So you used yes. to live on one side of the dichotomy being seeking approval, and you're saying that the other side of that dichotomy is to accept and love myself just the way that I am and to accept and love others just the way that they are. And yes. and then the other dichotomies kind of just follow from that. And yes. it feels like we've kind of come full circle here where you mentioned last time that this is fulfilling and you use the word true success. You said that there's success which is a life where you get what you want materially, you're liked, and you have the trophies on your wall, you have the things that you want, and yet you're still wondering, is that all there is? And you're saying, no, that's not all there is. There is a transcendent place that you refer to as true success. And so we keep talking about this journey in life where we where we transition from being prideful about hey look at all that I've accomplished look at you know this mansion that I've earned you know look at my storied career and all the people that I've helped in my career and look at all this and all that and how great I am and then to the dichotomy of that is humility and that transcending to Humility, then, is a different experience, and that is true success. And that walking your own path, walking a path that you take ownership of, is partially the journey to true success, which is what the book is subtitled, that this is a journey to true success. So... You've kind of talked about it a little bit, but what happens when a person arrives at the destination of true success? That is a great question, and this might sound counterintuitive. It's something that really can't be pursued. It just ensues. And the reason it ensues is because of all the other things that you pursued. So what I mean by that, when you pursue relationships that are based on total unconditional acceptance and love, when you pursue relationships that are based on affirmations and caring, when you pursue esteem-building experiences and self-respect and respect for others, when you pursue following your dreams and living out your expectations, your beliefs, values, and principles, not that of other people, you then have a sense of authenticity. When you have a sense of authenticity, you become a more of a person of character. As an authentic person of character, there's a humility that comes with that. And when you have that humility, there's a feeling inside of you that ensues. And I would call it self-transcendence. It's self-actualizing the experiences of your life that cause you to transcend to a different place of feeling 
that you have about yourself and others. And I think what comes with transcendence is once you get it and it ensues in you, you are compelled to share it with others. You are compelled to give the gift away because it wasn't yours in the first place. It was given to you by all the other people you knew in your life. So when it ensues in you, you become compelled to create that feeling in others. And you do it first by giving others total unconditional acceptance and love. That it starts full circle for another person. That's where you and I are at right now. Full circle is because you have made a decision to listen to this and understand it. You are now on a transitional quest of pursuing it and someday you'll ensue it. And that's a great feeling. When you help people arrive at this place, it's true success. It's not society's definition of success, of having the car, having the zip code, having the all the toys, all the money in the world, and all that stuff. You can have all that. That doesn't fulfill it. It's what that feeling is inside that ensues in you. It just becomes you because it began with total unconditional acceptance of yourself. Then when you were able to go through the seven dichotomies, you then were able to go back and give total unconditional acceptance to others and be a part of their process to true success. That's what life is about. Mm. Well, that is really a very exciting prospect. And it's kind of daunting. It's a little bit emotional. It makes me feel some strong emotions. And I think that anybody who's listening might feel some strong emotions when they're thinking about this. But it also could be very alien to someone who is entangled in just sorrow, victimhood, blame, and unacceptance, and unforgiveness, and all these things that we talked about. Yeah. I remember those very well. I I remember talking to you about them, but I also remember how they felt when I lived them. And so I understand that. However, when you come to the on the other side of that and you have this different feeling that's inside of you that ensues in you because of these things that we're talking about then you can look back at it and say you know i needed to go through that in order to get me to this point and also i needed to go through that for my help to be more helpful to people that i can help today because i understand and i am very patient it took me 40 years and still working on it so when I talk to someone and they're into this discussion for a few months and they're wanting this feeling to happen in a month or two, it may not happen. It takes longer than that for me. And I think all those other things that we talked about, the victimhood and unforgiveness and all those things keep us stuck, keep us shackled and don't really ever give us a chance to go to that total unconditional acceptance feeling that I was talking about. As long as we're locked into blame, 
excuse making, unforgiveness, victimhood. We're not going to get to this next level because we have to address those dichotomies first before we address these seven in the middle. Yeah. Well, I want to affirm you for your courage in being a pioneer in thought leadership and thought organization. You've really organized quite a thought process here for the audience to consider or your readers to consider, and it's wild. Anybody who gets their hands on it, I think they're joining you on that level that it's really impossible to tiptoe through this material. It's impossible to just <laughs> No, just that's why it's it. an elephant. Do you ever see an elephant tiptoe? No, right. <laughs> yeah. That's a funny visual. It's a perfect metaphor. The elephant as a metaphor is great. The journey as a metaphor is really, really great. But your critical thinking has really kind of set a framework for people to, to do their own critical thinking about, hey, what am I doing here in yes. my life? Who am I being? Yes. What doing is ensuing from my being and in my relationships from the way that I show my approval or disapproval or the way that I accept people? If I look at each of these dichotomies and as, how it applies to my life and critically think about how each one of these opposite concepts applies to my life, can I salvage some of the issues? And you're saying... You know, can I salvage some of the damaged relationships? Can I step away from my bitterness and really forgive? Can I transition? Can I live a life that I am designing? Can I sit down with all the people who are close to me and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this agreement-based relationship thing. I want to look at the agreements of our relationship. You give these critical thinking challenges. And anybody who goes through some of this process, it's not easy, but it is kind of remarkable, the critical thinking experience that one can have and recognizing humility probably actually serves me and others better than pride. Total unconditional acceptance and love serves me and others better than value judgment. And you can't just fake it. As soon as you start processing any of those dichotomies, it is undeniably going to trigger some serious critical thinking. You either have to run away or really look at your life and start thinking about living an examined life. And you can't just skate through it. It requires your full engagement. And I think that scares people. But your students and other adults who kind of collaborated with you to dial these concepts in, I think they really appreciate the critical thinking that they've had around this stuff. And that's what's kind of inspired you to continue with it and bring it to where it is today. And it's cool. It's good stuff. It's yeah. scary, but it's really good stuff. Well, Brian... You know, listening to you say that everyone's journey is going to be different and everyone's process is going to be different. And the gift that this will give you is the gift that you'll be able to give away. 
because once you process through this, you are now more available to be helpful to those other people in your life that you love, that are hurting and don't have answers. And that is what motivates and inspires me to do what I'm doing here so that it can make a difference in your life so that you can make a difference in someone else's life. And when you start making a difference in someone else's life to the level we're talking about, that's transcendence. And it's huge. One day we can talk about that a little bit more, how that comes to be. But it's fascinating. You know, I appreciate you walking through the seven dichotomies with me. I hope this stimulates a lot of questions, and hopefully people will send a, a note to Ray at RayMcKinley.com and ask their questions so that we can further have some discussions about this. And next week, Brian will get back into our podcast and we'll take it where it needs to go based on what your thinking is, the feelings we're getting, and the feedback we're getting from others. So I want to thank you again, Brian, for your willingness to go through this process with me, and it's been great. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank everyone else for joining Ride the Elephant today. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Dr. Ray McKinley is a speaker, author, and coach. In his new book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success, Dr. McKinley addresses the crisis in personal leadership and what you can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week. Thank you.